everyone. Welcome back to the Seabreeze podcast where we contemplate Christian classics. I'm Eric. And I'm Shane. And we're back after a quite a long hiatus. We apologize. We know our fans are clamoring for some more content. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think Shane, we've just more. been, yeah, exactly. We've just been busy. I don't know. I think we have no excuse though. Yeah, I don't know. We're both doing doctoral degrees so i mean that's kind of an excuse maybe i don't know that's true that's true that's a good point so also this is our first episode we are recording not in the same place we are Mm. recording it on zoom so hopefully the audio is better actually you know you guys always complain that shane's hard to hear so he has a better microphone than me right now so Mm. if we can't hear him on this episode we're probably just going to cut him and it'll just be me so this is your one chance that works okay That gives me so, license to just say dumb stuff, said, right? And I have editing power, so. Ah, that's a lot of authority uh, you got over there. Uh, it is, thank you. <laughs> so right. we are gonna pick up in, my book uh, has like these different parts that they break up. So there's chapters within books, within parts, within the entire city of God. So the, my writing has these five different parts And so we're picking up in part four. And fortunately, Augustine summarizes the first three parts because you guys probably forget. And honestly, we kind of forgot. But he basically says, so the first part of the book was on the origin of man, the world, Eden, all that stuff. And now he's going to kind of move on. And so we're going to see in this uh, part four of the book, which hopefully we'll get to all today. But if not, we'll have another episode for you guys. Um, This part four, he's going to, I think this is really kind of his wheelhouse of tracing the themes of the two cities through the Bible. So he's going to start with Cain and Abel, and he's going to work through Noah and um, David and all these guys up through the Old Testament. So this is really, when you think city of God, I think this is kind of what, what we should think about. So let's just jump right in. Um, so yeah, the first thing he's going to do, he's going to trace, again, he's going to trace these two lines. we got the city of God and the city of man, the city of good, righteousness, the city of evil. And so Cain and Abel is obviously a very natural place to start, right? Cain is clearly city of man. Abel is clearly the city of God. And so just a few points I'll uh, throw out to get us started. But so he talks about how Cain was born before Abel. So Cain was the older brother. And he talks about how this is an analogy for we are born sinful become before becoming Christian. And so no one is born a Christian. We're born the original sin, which uh, St. Augustine, if you remember, helped formalize. Um, so we're born sinful, just like Cain was born first. And only later can we become in the city of God, uh, just like Abel. So he was the younger brother. Um, and so he kind of, he starts there. And, um, and then he's going to continue Ishmael, city of man, Isaac, city of God. And so there's, there's right off the bat in Genesis, these really, these two clear tracks that, uh, that Augustine, excuse me, Shane, Augustine. There you go. Is picking up on. Um, so yeah, so let's go in a little deeper into Cain and Abel. So if we remember the story, um, Cain makes an offering to God and God kind of rejects it and he accepts mm-hmm. Abel's offering and Cain gets really upset and actually killed Abel. <laughs> First murder in human history. Yeah, it didn't take long. It did not take long. <laughs> um, and so 
What's really interesting, I think, about the story in Genesis, I was telling uh, Shane before the episode that uh, we were just reading this in our small group, so it was kind of cool to be able to, to read this story, is it's not really clear in the Bible why Cain's offering is rejected. Uh, the Bible doesn't make it super clear. Um, but August, Augustine kind of goes into it, and what he puts forth is that Cain sort of offered this gift to God to help himself rather than as a true offering to God. And, and then Augustine makes this point, which I'll quote. So this, in fact, is the difference between good men and bad men, that the former, the good men, make use of the world in order to enjoy God, whereas the latter would like to make use of God in order to enjoy the world. Mm. And I thought that was kind of uh, a striking point. So, um, yeah, Shane, what were you thinking about with uh, Cain and Abel? Uh, yeah, not, not too much to add so far. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting seeing the, I think this is something he does a lot, um, throughout, you know, going through all of the scriptures, uh, seeing kind of like similar patterns or themes of like, um, the, the bad comes first, like, like the evil person, Cain comes first. And then, um, the, the younger comes next and is like the righteous one or the one favored by God. Right. And, and mm-hmm. like how, um, this, this points to, to, um, either, you know, an individual being born sinful with original sin and then, um, being saved and becoming righteous, um, you know, through, through imputed righteousness. Um, and then, or, uh, another kind of thing that can point forward to is like how Israel came first. And then, uh, it was, uh, like, like Christianity came, um, afterwards right um so you had like the the biological israelites and then the true spiritual israelites coming later and so like you see see that pattern a lot um and like uh cain and abel pointing forward to that was was really fascinating yeah 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 i think that's a good point even thinking first adam to second adam um this theme's clearly Mm -hmm. there which i guess makes sense why augustine i named his whole book after it and that was the the whole (laughs) thesis he wanted to trace um Yeah, I think another thing that, that I thought was interesting about the Cain and Abel story was, so after Cain is rebuked by God for making a bad offering, um, he kind of goes and pouts and, you know, is displeased and, and he just decides to hate his brother instead of the right response would have been, you know, turning from sin and repentance. I think that if he had done that, God would have been fine with it. I mean, we, again, we don't get a full picture of why God rejected his offering, but if he had repented, oh, I'm sorry for displeasing you like we have no reason to believe God wouldn't have accepted that. Um, yeah, yeah. And, so, and so Augustine draws that, like that's how we should be responding uh, when things like that happen. Um, yeah. one, one small point I wanted to make um, that to the, to the earlier point I made that the um, bad men kind of use God for a good life. Um, I was thinking about this in terms of, in terms of marriage and how, you know, Christians, we like talking about marriage and we talk about a lot how, like Jesus is at the center of your marriage is going to be a lot stronger. And if he's not, then it's it's not going to be as good of a marriage. And I was reflecting on that once that that's actually very easy to do exactly what Augustine just said, that I'm literally just going to use Jesus for a good marriage. And I was reflecting, like, Oh, that's, I think actually a big danger. And that's just one avenue of, of all of life. But if we're just using God to get something else, that's really subverting the whole thing. We're supposed to be leveraging everything in the world to get more of God. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think a lot of Christians uh, do that, 
and so you know both of us included <laughs> yeah uh, yeah like we uh i know uh there there's a a great author uh from the the 1900s who wrote a book about christianity and uh, i won't name him because i i name him enough but yeah <laughs> <laughs> he uh said you know like uh you know someone might be like they might turn to jesus turn to religion christianity to to get rid of some nasty like habit like some mm. sinful habit um that you know is external and they find uh annoying or or uh bothersome or gross um yeah but then once once you know religion or, or jesus helps with that then you know they're they feel good and they can move on yeah uh but you'll find that when you when you come to to jesus you come to the bible um you start seeing all these claims uh, over the entirety of your life mm-hmm. um claims to use your whole life for jesus not using jesus for a part of your life right yeah and yeah. and i think that's where a lot of uh you know, worldly Christianity or cultural Christianity, um, why that's so prominent uh, in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Or the like kind of health, wealth, prosperity gospel or yeah, um, yeah. anything along those lines that, that that's really what, what Jesus did is so important. And what separates Christianity is that the, the whole point of it is to get God. It's not to get things. It's not to get just a better life. It's to get God himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Cain, unfortunately, did not get mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. Uh, to your uh, to your earlier point, um, kind of talking about uh, at least I think you said this, like kind of Cain's struggle with with like the temptation to respond in anger, or like how he he should have had uh, a different response, right? One of repentance mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I mean, in Genesis chapter four, verse six, and Augustine talks about this. Uh, it says, "And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you furious, and why do you look despondent?" If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It's desirous for you, but you must rule over it. Mm. Um, so it's it's interesting that he was even warned in advance um, about this temptation, right? And, yep. and told, you know, it's it's simple, dude. Uh, just do what is right, and you'll be accepted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's, I think, uh, it's a short story in the Bible, and yet Augustine pulls a lot out of it, and uh, and it really is going to set the stage for for these two cities that we're going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, he he kind of does a little pivot, to, and uh, I think anyone that's uh, read any of Genesis, the Old Testament, has asked questions about what he talks about next, and that is why are people living so long? <laughs> We've got <laughs> People live into 700, 800. I think Methuselah is the oldest, like 900 something. 969. 969. There you go. And and, uh, so, yeah, he talks about this a lot. He talks about different ways that people have tried to kind of get around it. And Mm -hmm. so one that I I had never heard of, but he said was apparently popular at his time, was that people thought that 10 ancient years was one modern year. Uh So all these years should have been divided by 10. So Methuselah 969, really he only lived for 96 years. Um, this is how people tried to skirt this issue. The, the problem with that was some people were having kids at like, uh, you know, 30. And so that would have put them at three. So he's <laughs> like, that's probably not going to work. And he points out that uh, in the flood 
story. The Bible says the flood was on the second month on the 27th day of the month. And if a year is, or if 10 years is really one year, then that means each month is what, like a few days, like 10 days maybe. And so 27 days, it's not even possible. So, so he puts this to bed. He's so proud of himself. He's like, and this is the, the, the nail in the coffin. There's no way you can do this. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's going to talk about uh, these, these old ages. And, um, and then apparently there was some controversy over like different translations, different translators that some were like fudgy numbers. Did you pick up on that? I don't remember a whole lot on that. I, uh, okay. yeah, I don't know. I, I tend to not care about these little details so much when I okay. read the Bible. <laughs> And so it's, I mean, we've talked about this in past episodes, like there are things where Augustine gets really pedantic and yeah. rigorous about like all these details. And I kind of wonder why he's fretting so hard. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely one that, I mean, this went on for pages and pages and pages. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was definitely an interesting academic exercise. Um, mm -hmm. But, and he even says that there could have been some mistakes in the transcription or whatever, but he, mm -hmm. he actually says what you just said, Shane, that the numbers aren't really important uh like there's a there's a bigger point here so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in that vein we won't dwell on this too long for shane's sake and for augustine's Thank you. sake yes <laughs> um he talks about yeah this book was there was a lot of weird topics again another thing he talked about is why it's wrong to marry your sister <laughs> do you remember that part I do. <laughs> yeah. His logic, it, his so reasoning funny. is weird. <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny. So I'll uh, I'll say what it is, and then we'll get Shane's reaction. But uh, oh, so he, you know, marrying siblings isn't good, and and here's some of his reasons. We need to maximize the different, and I'll put this in quote, strands of love. Or or another way he puts it is, you shouldn't monopolize the relationship of father and father-in-law. So he's like, it's just not fair to have less strands. We got to like broaden the pool. And, yeah. uh, and he's like, at first that wasn't possible. So it was no big deal, but now it could. And he's like, and even pagans know it's wrong to marry your sister. Um, <laughs> so I had never heard that as the reason that you shouldn't marry your sister, but that was his go-to point. You got to maximize the strands of love. Yeah, it's so, yeah, that, I mean, that's his main point, right? Is that it's better to... Uh, have like more distance in the relationship so that it's kind of like a like a, a broader pool of of like yeah. genes almost right that like um as you're having children and so on but yeah. like where does he get that axiom from is what i don't understand like why is that necessarily better if if it wasn't an option in the first place like where did that idea come from um that's not self-evident to me i guess i mean no. obviously i agree that like incest is wrong <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah i i just i don't see like the self-evidence of, of that argument for it no i agree yeah it's almost like he's saying if you want a stronger rope you need more threads and so get as many as you can mm -hmm. and that's a nice analogy but i agree with you there's nothing in nature that seems to say like you need more strands of love <laughs> But I can be like a song, Strands of Love. <laughs> you should do that. Like that. Man. Um, <laughs> so this sums up, uh, I think, a lot, this first, this first book uh, of this part. Um, he's going into a lot of kind of nitty-gritty details, um, ages, and um, why 
incest is not a good idea. Um, uh, yeah, Shane, do you have anything else from, from this book? Um, or do you want to move on to the next one? Um, let's see. One quote that I liked while you're, while you're looking is, yeah. um, he said, as though to indicate that both in its origin and the city is earthly, that in the earthly city, there is nothing to be hoped for beyond the things which can be seen in the world of time. So the, the earthly people are kind of satisfied with this earthly joy and peace. Um, that's like kind of all they can reach for. Um, and whereas those in the city of God, they're not going to seek their fame on earth. They're going to uh, abstain from things unless it's from God and results in more faith in God. So. Did you, uh, did your edition have uh, the discussion of the, the sons of God in Genesis? Oh, um, like, and the daughters of men. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. We talked about that in our small group. I don't know if I remember reading about it, though. Okay, maybe it wasn't done. Yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, I don't know, maybe to kind of give an, an, a summary of, of the idea, yep. um, even like, apart from our experience of reading, uh, like this book and, and Augustine's take on it, there's like, I, I'm aware of... Uh, at least a couple different interpretations of it. So there's, you know, the passage in Genesis that says, uh, it, it talks about how the the quote unquote sons of God uh, came to the the quote unquote daughters of men um, mm -hmm. and uh, knew them intimately and like begat children. And um, if I remember correctly, the the children were like the the men of renown, men of old, uh, like yeah. the giants. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's just like a kind of a strange passage that's like right in the middle of the narrative of of the early yeah. Genesis, mm -hmm. and um, the the two translations I'm familiar with, uh, one is that, or sorry, not translations, but interpretations. Uh, one is that uh, the sons of God refers to like angelic beings, yeah. um, particularly like angels who who kind of rebelled or, um, mm -hmm. or like became corrupt. So you know, uh, demons at this point, mm -hmm. um, they come and they kind of have demigod children with human women yeah. Yeah. Um, and these demigods are um, like these men of renown men of old um, these mm -hmm. giants uh i called the nephilim right yeah i think that's right yeah um so that's one interpretation um the other is that the sons of god refers to um and, and this is the interpretation that augustine seems to to take is that the sons of god refers to uh men who so human men who were a part of the city of god um mm. as opposed to the, the the city of man like babylon um mm. and so so they're called sons of god because like these were righteous men like they're from the line of uh of seth as opposed to cain you know mm -hmm. um and uh they're you know they they follow god they fear god um but they uh they began mingling with uh women from you know Cain's line or, or whatever other mm -hmm. uh, uh, lineage and uh, uh, began having children and, and this intermingling um, you know formed uh, these these children the Nephilim yeah. uh, who are I guess uh, with by the time of whoever is writing this narrative now um, like this was uh, apparently some like a, a famous group of people the Nephilim yeah. that um, was known of so yeah, I, uh, I'm curious you what you think about to? it. 
I have no idea, man. It's always been such a weird passage to me. Yeah, it really is. I yeah, think especially there's especially since it like talks about giants coming from them right. as a result. Right. There's uh the only real clues we get, I think there's a passage in First Peter, and then I think there's a passage in Jude that's much clearer. Mm-hmm. Um but I when we discuss this, I think that most people do take the first interpretation that it was fallen angels who'd kind of come down and um kind of doing things they weren't supposed to. Um <laughs> Which is really interesting because, you know, one of the things that we know from uh, like different Greek mythology, which we're going to actually talk about a little bit more later today is, um, you know, h- how many Greek mythology stories are there of the gods coming down, and sleeping with earthly women and then da 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 da. It's interesting, like if this was happening, like, okay, the Bible talks about it, these other Greek <laughs> things, you know, they picked up on something. So that's, I mean, that's just speculation. I have no way to prove sure. it. So I think sure. that's kind of interesting. But if, uh, if people are interested, I think there's a passage in Jude. I can't remember where it is, but it seems to imply that these were angels. Um, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll probably never know for sure. And it's probably not a huge deal, but. Yeah, yeah. Augustine, one of the things Augustine argues is that it's like, he thinks it's silly to believe that these angels would have, uh, you know, like sexual desire. Uh, okay. at all right because they you know jesus and uh when uh he's was asked about like marriage in the afterlife um, yeah he says oh well humans aren't are going to be like angels they're not going to marry yeah um, there doesn't That's seem true. to be a need to reproduce sexually so yeah uh so yeah uh it's, that's one kind of roadblock in that interpretation i guess yeah that's a good point i thought of that mm-hmm. so so yeah it's it's strange still not entirely sure uh yeah how to i'm sure he talked about that that seems like he would have loved to sink his teeth into yeah he did i'm i'm looking through like if several pages actually of it right now okay <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah nothing nothing super clear he uh i mean that was one of the the ideas that that we were going to bring up was set so like in addition to men uh seeming to live longer they also seem to be larger. Yeah, that's right. So he, there's a really funny, uh, there's actually quite a few funny things that he says <laughs> that with our chronological snobbery, we can mock him for. <laughs> so he talks about how the earth is flat, which look, everyone loves to make fun of that. If we were alive then, we would have thought the earth was flat too. So, but he talks about how the earth is flat and then he he's like totally unaware of the Americas and Australia. He just thinks it's uh, Africa, Asia, and Europe. So that's kind of funny but then yeah what we were just talking about so he's like yeah you know people used to live a lot longer and they were much larger he's like i've seen this femur like nobody's <laughs> ever seen it's humongous and i was like what is he yeah, it got dug about? up out of the ground in africa yeah. and like i saw it with my own eyes and... yeah he's like this was a huge person i was like what is he talking about shane what is he talking about <laughs> i think it's dinosaurs man wow that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah I, I mean i don't know maybe it's you know they they probably weren't amazing excavators or maybe they, i don't know but like wow shane they, come on they find a couple like bones uh that are very large and they think oh this must be a femur or you know an, an elbow or something and yeah uh, <laughs> uh, well yeah i mean if you just see one dinosaur and, bone yeah yeah you're gonna you find think, the full thing right 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 you wouldn't think yeah. uh if you saw a whole dinosaur i'd hope you wouldn't think it was a human but <laughs> sure. yeah yeah um so i think yeah. that that 
like he he augustine would believe that like that was evidence of these larger humans from the past like yeah. maybe yeah, yeah. the the nephilim or yeah. um just like people back then in general or, or right like larger right right so and, and to him that's important because if you live to 700 you can build like a huge city and there mm -hmm. seems to be like um I must have been Kane. Like Kane built this huge city, and that's going to take a lot of time and effort and energy. He's like, well, it's seven hundred years, so <laughs> he can build a huge city in seven hundred years. So it's yeah. important to Augustine, like uh, yeah. in his narrative, even if now we might not think so much. Sure. Um, yeah. So that was uh, another interesting little thing in in this uh, book. Yeah, and while we're talking about kind of uh, some of these scientific ideas, on a more serious note, I thought this was really interesting. Um, and I want to hear what you think, Shane. So this is in the next book. He says, for if we did not know that apes, monkeys, and baboons are not human, but animals, historians eager to show off the curiosity of their knowledge might falsely and with impunity describe them as humans. Hmm. So do you remember that uh, line that yeah. jump out at you? Yeah. So he's basically saying that, you know, if you look at an ape or if you look at a baboon, Everyone can see, oh yeah, look, something about them looks kind of like humans. And he's like, we know they're not. And, but some historian might want to show off and be like, ooh, look, like we, <laughs> these apes are, are humans, which yeah. he laughed at. And as we know now with the theory of capital E evolution, that's what people say, right? Is that we are just a little bit more advanced than apes. And so uh, I would just, I think it'd be fascinating to think what Augustine would say about that now. But uh, yeah. He, he also, was like very prophetic in a sense. Yeah, like around the the same point in the in the in his writing, he uh, talks about like um, not just like apes and monkeys and so on, but uh, there were I guess reports or stories or books written about it, like they were like non fictional accounts of uh -huh. uh, these very very like odd uh, like creatures uh, okay. that have like uh, gosh I don't remember um how he described them but like a creature that's like hops on one foot um like oh, a okay. mon monoped and like things like that and uh, just like these really uh like mythological <laughs> kinds of creatures yeah 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 um and he he himself admits that i mean he's says you know we should hold things like that in suspicion at a at uh to some extent right like yeah because you don't know right um, yeah, but, that but was he's. Awesome. But I love how he's confidently claiming I saw a human bone. That was human. <laughs> yeah, <that was> <laughs> and uh, yeah, maybe how I might even uh, tie up this little thing. He ha he has a quote that I think is pretty interesting. So I think this is in re in regards to living longer, but it, it applies. He says, "So if it is rational to believe that what is not here may exist elsewhere, it is no less rational to believe in something in the past of which there is no evidence in the present." Mm -hmm. So he's saying, yeah. like, okay, right now. It's not snowing in North Carolina, but I can imagine that there's snow in the world. And everyone would say, yeah, you're not crazy for thinking that. He says, if that applies, then you can say, okay, we have no evidence that someone can live to 700, but it's, it's possible. He's saying it's, it's the exact same logic. So and it's like, that's, you know, that's interesting. That's a good point. Yeah, sure. Yeah, did, uh, did chapter 15 talk about the arc at all for you? That was, I think, 16. Oh. Really? I think that was book 16. Yeah. yeah. But we can pivot there now. Do you? Okay. Uh... Yeah, mine, it's kind of around the 
like in it's in both actually okay um, okay it's around the change but i mean the the main point i was going to make was that uh you know ag again he he talks about primarily that uh noah and the ark are uh like the the ark in particular is a prefiguration of christ mm -hmm. uh, so it's um this you know there's uh like like wrath coming there's floodwaters and so on uh darkness and and like destruction um but there's like this um this this thing and, and like people go inside of it and it goes like in the waters you know yeah um and then uh after some period of time it comes back out and then it's like daytime again yeah um, kind of like a, a sort of death or destruction followed by some kind of new life or resurrection yep yeah yeah that's cool i don't think that stood out to me as much but you're right that is uh that's a cool way to also then yeah again see the 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 thread that he's going to keep drawing there's the city of god that mm -hmm. and look this is just a little glimmer of what it's going to look like in its perfect future state mm -hmm. um yeah, yeah he also i think talked about oh i was just yeah, gonna say I, that the yeah. animals on the ark were kind of like a symbol of the diversity in the church mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that there's all these different kind of animals and <laughs> one of the things that made christianity so scandalous back then and hopefully still today is that there were all sorts of different types of people most religions were very monolithic um in the type of people that were in it and christianity totally broke through that and he's saying the ark was it's a little foretaste of that of how there's gonna be lots of different types of people which is one of the things that makes it it's so beautiful that that god is is worthy to be worshipped by so many people and when you see um in revelation chapter seven we see people from every nation worshiping god that shows how much more valuable and worthy he is if it was just one group mary you know worshiping their local deity not impressive mm. every type of person of all of history worshiping god says wow this god is amazing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow so did you have anything else on the uh the ark or book no, 16 no. i think um, my book 17 was like really short i got the real uh, abridged yeah. edition <laughs> yeah there's i yeah i read through the whole thing and it wasn't super necessary um <laughs> i mean okay. it's the everything you know that we've talked about from 15 and 16 um and then everything in 17 uh, it's the same kind of thing of where augustine he looks at lots of instances and examples of um a, like honestly a relatively small detail uh mm -hmm. from the old testament narratives and showing how that points to yeah. something that comes later uh yeah. in the in the new covenant um, yeah yeah something about jesus and uh, his crucifixion his resurrection uh, or something about the church um and honestly i mean this was one of my big impressions from uh you know the the last four books or so that that we read mm -hmm. is that Augustine, uh, he looks at like he almost turns every detail in the Old Testament into some some kind of like symbol or prefiguration yeah, yeah, yeah. of what's to come. To the point where I'm like, oh, that feels like a stretch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but there are other things where it's like, oh yeah, definitely that's and and yeah. it's similar to I think what the New Testament authors do, uh, like mm -hmm. the apostles. They looked at um, you know things in Isaiah or um, David um, as a person or like. Yep. different like the actions david did or um or like the psalms of david uh like or you know paul talks about um uh sarah and hagar um and the the child from each isaac and mm -hmm. ishmael 
yep. and how each one is kind of a representative yep. uh, or a prefiguration of uh, the uh, the world and mm -hmm. uh, uh, the the saints kind of right yep. uh, in Augustine's phrasing the city of uh, of Babylon the city of the world the worldly city uh, or yep. the uh, the city of God right and so so we do see the even the Bible itself treats the Bible this way um, yeah but Augustine he he does it a lot at like yeah. <laughs> to even small details yeah and I think that it's you know, it is easy to, some of them kind of poke fun at, but I think there's something to learn even for our own Bible study of like really studying the details and, hey, why is this, what does this name mean? Why is this person named this? And, sure. uh, and I think that that just shows the treasure trove that scripture is. And that when you drill down, you're going to see these, these really amazing connections. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we're kind of, we're kind of glazing over it, but if you go through this, like the, the way he's presenting these two cities, it's like totally seems inarguable. Right, like the, the very first two people, like we said, Cain and Abel, bam, mm -hmm. good verse evil. Then there's um, Isaac and Ishmael, like we said, bam, good verse evil, chosen, not chosen. Um, and so, you know, we can't go into all these, uh, every single example he gives, but the, the evidence is pretty overwhelming about his thesis and, and all these things working forward. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things I thought was really cool, um, so, he, he talks about sort of um, the city of God is like uh, a child in development. And he, he draws these really cool connections. So before Noah, uh, so the first five chapters of the Bible, the city of God is in its infancy. And the connection he draws, which I think is really cool, is that, uh, you know, when you're an infant, you don't really remember anything. You don't have make, really make memories. And what happened at the flood, sort of all memories are, are wiped away. And so he says, up to Noah, we're in its infancy. There's not really a ton of memories before that. And then Noah to Abraham, that stretch is when the city of God is in its childhood. And what's interesting about that is he says, that's when the Hebrew language um, began. And so that this child from, uh, was able to start to learn how to speak. Mm -hmm. And that's when the Hebrew language came. So there's that connection. And then lastly, Abraham to David is 14 generations. And so he says, what happens at 14 for most guys? It's well, they're going to hit puberty and they're going to be able to <laughs> procreate. <laughs> and he says, okay, there you go. Now we're in um, kind of, we're, we're matured. And then he says, you know, from David onward, it, this, is, this is a mature city. This is a mature people. Um, so yeah, sorry, we're talking about procreation a lot today. Who knew <laughs> this episode? But This has um, happened a lot in like multiple episodes actually <laughs> has it man wow yeah. you got to put like a disclaimer i guess but yeah man. but I, it's cool right i mean like noah okay it's him and like six guys in this boat like this is nothing robust and and by and mm -hmm. abraham he's promised a child he's 100 he has no children mm -hmm. so this is not a very robust city and then man by the time it's david it's there's hundreds of thousands if not millions of jews mm -hmm. and of course not all of them are are truly in the city of god but this is a mature mm -hmm. city um so it, it is really kind of cool and powerful to think about. You know, we, um, a lot of people, we like to, you know, make fun of the genealogies and we get tired of them and we just skip, skim them. But I was, I was reflecting one time that, you know, who never would get tired of reading the genealogy is Abraham, because he knew what it was like to be a hundred years old, have no children. And then just two chapters later in the Bible, there's so many descendants, you get tired of reading about them. 
Mm. And uh, I think Abraham would just soak that in and be like, man, I'll read about my generations all day long and I will <laughs> never get tired of this. So I don't know. I thought the, the way he tied that into the human's development, I thought was really cool. So, yeah, I, I, I've mentioned this multiple times now, but you know, my, my first like earlier impression, um, which, which I still have a, a little bit is that like, you know, this, these ideas of like, uh, you know, comparing human history to like uh, the development of a, of a human uh, uh -huh. from childhood to adulthood. Like I kind of found it goofy at first, okay. <laughs> uh, admittedly, but um, you know, like, but as, as I'm thinking about it more and more, and as we discuss, like I'm imagining, but it's, it's cool that Augustine, you know, he's after Christ. Mm -hmm. And so he's able to look back and see all of this, these patterns and themes and, and yeah. think of it this way. Yeah. And I'm imagining uh, I mean, that was, you know, 1500 years ago now, like a lot more time has passed. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, think once uh, Jesus returns and uh, sin and evil are done away with and we're in paradise before God worshiping him and and adoring him. We're I'm imagining like a lot of our worship will consist of us looking back at all of history the way Augustine mm -hmm. kind of is here. Mm -hmm. and and seeing all of these patterns but even more clearly right as yeah. it's revealed to us even more fully by by god himself and yeah. just marveling and worshiping at like like the beauty of of the history that god orchestrated with mm -hmm. his providence yeah um, to take us from um a beautiful but then fallen humanity through uh just such an insane journey to redemption through god himself coming as the promised uh, yeah. human messiah anointed savior um the and then finally to uh like the glorification of of humanity and god's presence yeah. uh, back to yeah. what it was supposed to be that's get, gonna be just amazing that's so good it, it it that exact thing makes me think of you know we love um the marvel series and the avengers is this huge hit and one of the reasons it's so big is that there's where it's all these easter eggs right placed throughout the little things mm -hmm. it's like oh that little thing happened and that that tied into infinity war and this and that god has done the same thing but 10 times cooler right yeah you, yeah. you know something like melchizedek he's like an easter egg <laughs> that we get of jesus and like all these little things like david is going to point towards jesus like all these things and we get a glimpse of it in the bible like maybe an apostle will point it out or like you said Sid, uh, augustine they would point it out but you're right we're going to get to heaven and we're like oh my gosh yeah all of these things you oh you put that king that evil king in place to get this to happen yeah, oh my yeah. and we're just going to be absolutely in awe yeah. and and i think even something i was doing recently that i found very worshipful is just taking time to do that in our own lives and and reflecting on wow i made that decision or i went to that school or i did this and you know in the time i thought i was doing it but that was god pushing me to meet this person or or pushing me to you know hear this truth or whatever and we can just worship god like thank you for being the one in control thank you for being the one leading and and just be in awe of what he's doing wow yeah so we got another book but i think uh i think that's a good place to end so um yeah i think maybe that's even the encouragement today i don't have a big long quote to read today but i think in a, just an encouragement to our to our listeners is um yeah just reflect on the ways god's been really good to you and, and i think that's a great way to worship him is through our remembrance of his good deeds towards us. So we hope you enjoyed this. Hope the audio quality is good for our first uh, virtual uh, <laughs> recording. And uh, we'll see you guys soon.